And welcome to Let's Talk Podcasts. This is your host, Susie Lewis, speaking from Toulouse. And in this episode of Let's Talk, we will be discussing how coaching is changing as a practice and what this evolution looks like. Today, I am joined by Frederick Funk, member of the Forbes Coaching Council and director of coaching programs and community leader at Centre for Creative Leadership. Frederick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks. Fred, you have a wealth of experience in leadership, organizational development, and coaching across different industries. And it seems so long ago now when our paths first crossed on these subjects of executive coaching and how to have strategic impact on behavioral change through coaching and mentoring. Subjects that are coming to the fore more and more, I feel, as the world moves into a more interconnected place, and particularly following this COVID uh, pandemic. The coaching industry itself is going through a massive transformation. Uh, we, we touch frequently on this subject. One of your sentences comes to mind. Coaching is dead. Long live coaching. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> I love this. And it's so true for me anyway. So, but tell me more about that. What does it mean for you? Yeah, it, so it's, it's a story of transformation. I heard you saying in the introduction that the, the practice of coaching is changing, but it's not just a practice. Mm-hmm. The practice is coaching, uh, of coaching is changing, but the entire industry Mm-hmm. coaching is changing as well. Mm. Uh, the business itself is changing as well. You know, I've been, I've been in this industry for the last 20 years. Yeah. First yeah. as a practitioner, but then I moved in, in a position of, of business leadership. Yeah. And I'd say for, for the last 20 years, I was in the business of coaching. Today, I'm in the business of platforms of coaching. Okay. So today, we don't sell coaching anymore. We sell IT. Uh-huh. And for that is that you know one of the key players in the coaching relationship beyond the coach and the coachee is HR and HR wants to get to vote they want to have access to reporting they want to get access to data to understand what's going on in coaching programs so how do you collect data how do you make sense of it how do you use it for talent purposes whether it's your talent strategy your talent roadmap etc so the industry in its entirety truly is changing so we're going to dig into that a little bit deeper in this conversation. Yeah. And is that about digital transformation for you? Or is it about um, a shift in how people would like to work in the workplace? Well, it's, it's all of the above and beyond. Really. Mm. <laughs> there is indeed uh, a massive interest for digital transformation uh-huh. that goes beyond coaching, but definitely coaching is impacted by this big wave, this big tsunami but it goes beyond that. So the, the, the practice of coaching also is changing. And uh, I guess more and more people open up to the idea that coaching, which has often been seen from the individual lens, actually now has expanded to teams, to groups, and frankly, to the level of organization. And, and even mm. sometimes in recent conversation, organizations start to talk about intercompanies' approaches to coaching. Mm-hmm. So system uh, within an industry, within a sector, which is completely game-changing. It's a game-changer approach. Completely. Tell me, tell me more about systems coaching, because I think that's indicative of the shift that we're undergoing from individual to collective, whether it be in business or in society. So I'd be interested in your opinion on how does that change the landscape and the practice of coaching, the fact that it's moved up to a more systems coaching approach? There's a couple of things to say about that, but let me just backtrack a little bit. Mm. We need to understand what's in the backdrop 
For the last 30 years, let's say, there's been a massive actor, which is the ICF, the Coaching Federation. And this, this body has done tremendous work in elevating the standard of the industry. Mm-hmm. But then as the, as the market became more educated, knowledgeable about coaching, customers start to get more and more of a vote on what proper coaching is all about. And through this, you know, this kind of balancing act between the suppliers and the buyers, this yeah. balancing act has given way more power to the customer side. Mm-hmm. The customer doesn't define coaching in the same way the ICF is defining coaching. So for instance, not everyone would agree with me, but mostly you would hear the fact that when you do coaching, you coach an individual, irrespective of the system this person is embedded into. So we don't really look at the industry, how a specific industry is working, the specific mm-hmm. dynamics behind it. But customers say otherwise. When they want to have a coach, they'd rather look you know, into a coach pool, mm. individuals who are coming from the industry because they're saying, if you do not understand the hidden dynamics of our industry, chances are you won't have this level of impact. Now, that's a big debate mm. between the ICF or any other federation representing the coaching industry and customers. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, if you will. Mm. The iceberg says more and more individuals, particularly at senior level, want to be coached by individuals who've been there, done that, understand implicitly the system. For me, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, there's, there's many other, other answers to provide you with, starting with the fact that coaching in and of itself, the purpose of a coach is to become redundant, right? The purpose of a coach <laughs> is to become redundant. So it means that sooner rather than later, the coach needs to find ways to ensure that result will be sustainable. How do you do that? Well, you've got to do that by helping your clients, finding the alliances within the organization, but also outside of it, to actually continue the effort of development and transformation. So I'm, I'm now, hearing from you a more hybrid model where people are wanting coaching skills, but also an understanding of the organizational culture and the interfaces and the sort of intelligence of the system. Is that correct? That's correct. That's mm-hmm. correct. And IT is going to become more and more important. You know, there, Jim Ron, who, who's been one of the founding father of the personal development industry and, and also in many regards, the, the, the coaching industry, he used to say, you know, you're the average of the five person you hang out with. <laughs> now, yes. with, with uh, recent discoveries due to data analytics, particularly when it pertains to organizational network analysis, mm-hmm. it proves that it's true. It really proves that not only it's the five people you hang out with, but also the second degree. And to an extent, the third degree affects who you are, your level of success, et cetera. So there are invisible hidden dynamics, if you will, Mm. shaping you. And that will put a cap or not in your level of success. And so this system is is alive. So we think that basically we're shaping the environment, but the the environment is really shaping us in so many ways. It's, It's a defining feature. Yeah. And it's changing the landscape of coaching. And it's changing yeah. completely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but do you think that individual coaching, as we know it today, if I come back to something you said earlier, that's what, that was what I understood by proper coaching, i.e. the mm-hmm. one-to-one um, individual coaching as ICF defines it. Is there still a place for that in today's organizations? 
there's definitely still a place for that, but it's morphing. There's still definitely a place. Number one, the market is booming. Mm-hmm. So just in Europe, for instance, yeah. uh, there are only two countries that really are at maturity level, mm-hmm. namely the UK and Germany. All the okay. other countries are really at nascent stage of the industry, which means that it's a booming industry. Mm-hmm. Two, coaching compared to any other developmental approach, be it mentoring, consulting, tutoring, training, mm-hmm. has the highest return on investment. So definitely it's here to stay. Mm. At the very same time, the way you do coaching is morphing. So, mm. so far it's been primarily driven by the protocol, the recommendations, the advice of federations, be it ICF or others. And then again, I really acclaim their work because they've done tremendous work. But at the yeah. very same time, because of the power shift that exists in the industry, clients are asking for something different sometimes. One of the, we, you know, we did recently a consultation process with big organizations. We asked mm-hmm. them, so what's next? What's the big, the big um, bet for, for the next 10 to 20 years? What they said, it, it was not individual coaching, it's team coaching. Okay. And one of the baby step considered by organization is how do we bring teams into individual coaching, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. I mean, how much do you think the fact that a more agile way of working is being asked for, you know, it's what digital enables, but the more distributed leadership model that that requires um, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're building ecosystems both internally across the organization. Yeah. So stepping out of the silo command control model, but also business ecosystems. So relationships with the outside world are changing in terms of yeah. partnership and, and power distribution. So how much is that influencing? Do you think this morphing of the landscape? A lot, really a lot. You know, 10 years ago, you you would look at the industry of coaching and you would see that 90% would be business coaching or um, leadership development. Mm -hmm. And then 10% would be about, you know, life coaching. You look at the industry as it stands today, the two fastest growing segment of that industry is agile coaching Mm -hmm. and innovation, coaching for innovation. And so it doesn't mean that the leadership development portion is, is, is shrunk has shrunk, it's still expanding, it's still growing, but it's not the fastest growing segment of the industry. And so definitely organizations are getting more and more interested in this concept of agile coaching, simply because most of the organization on the face of the earth are going through transformation. Yeah, clearly. So, or agile. And if I look at the precepts of agile or innovation methodology and the fact that it's about, small is beautiful, I call it, but iterating on, on prototypes and moving forward that way, I'm hearing that it's more coaching on the ground in inverted commas rather than coaching around a subject and then going back to the workplace to apply it. Well, I'm very biased when it comes to agile coaching because, um, you know, definitely there, there is a resemblance with coaching. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, coming from the leadership development industry and, you know, I, it's quite an admission for me to say that, but I don't look at as proper coaching. Okay. You know, in many regards, uh, a lot of our clients at CTO who have embraced this idea of agile coaching, come back to us and say, well, listen, can we complement this offering with, you know, the more traditional mm-hmm. leadership coaching? Because they realize that it's not enough. They That's interesting. That what, what's missing? Because, well, it's the personal transformation side. Okay. That is missing. And mm-hmm. you can change the doing, but if you don't change the, the mindset, the narratives, the heart, the heart set, mm-hmm. you can change anything. You, you, it's not superficial work, don't get me wrong, because really I saw the impact and I saw how it benefited organization. But yet, you know, in the story of success and 
performance, you got to you got to have a, a complete approach to to impacting the lives of uh, of um, of people you're coaching, and that's not just the doing; it's also the mm. being. Yeah, and I think the being part is very often not dealt with in organizations or organizational culture in terms of sort of the cognitive culture exists, but the emotional culture doesn't necessarily exist. I mean, I think the whole agile discussion is I'm a big believer in if you don't do the mindset piece, then you can be as agile as you want with their methodology, but it it won't be sustainable transformation. So what does that mean for the coaching landscape? Oh boy, this, this it means so much. I mean, mm. since its its infancy, leadership coaching, you know, kind of recognized the importance of the being part, and rather than looking at it as a soft part of the equation, they said, "Well, that's the hard part of the equation." Rightly so. During my spare time, I do a lot of keynote speeches, and mm. um, there's only always one question that I like to ask people, and I kind of show them the importance of mindset. You know, it's it's about looking at what is stopping you in your life. You know, the question goes like this. What stops you in your life? What What is preventing you from moving forward? And as you look at what that might be, kind of try to find the ratio between the mental game and the technical game. And so to, to explain what that is, you would say the mental game, you know, the mental blockage would be, you know, that kind of the voice in your head. Mm. There it yeah. is. You know, whether you're confident or not. Whereas the technical part of it would be any skill you would need to have if you want to succeed. Yeah. And I'm people, what, so what's the ratio? The most quoted answer is 80-20. 80 in favor of the mental part and 20 for the technical part. Okay. Um, but a lot of people say it's 100-0. Mm-hmm. The lowest answer, the, the, you know, the, uh, against the, the, the mental game would be 50-50. That's the, that's the minimum that I got. Mm-hmm. There, there is this acknowledgement that the mental game is a success factor. And so you ask people that if that is a success factor, how much time do you allocate preparing that metal game? Mm. And then you see the blank in the eyes, like yeah. I never thought about it because I <laughs> work on my processes, my slide deck, my, yeah. you know, my governance, but I never yes. thought about harnessing the power of the mind. But they acknowledge that actually it's the defining feature. So coaching for a long time has understood that this is really the, the place of significance. Mm. What, what is changing and there's a, there, there, through many influences, is that so far it was called the, the game of self-awareness. Mm. As in, you know, I want to discover who I am in my identity. And mm. in the boom of so many industries, starting with the industry of assessment, with diagnostic instruments like the MBTI and yeah. Yeah. and all of that, and it's precious. Mm. But what, it, what has changed today is that we're not talking about self-awareness anymore as a discovery process but mm. well as a creative process as in identity development mm. so that you need to discover who you are you got to claim who you want to be yeah and that is a total new portion of the industry you know that's spit you know above and beyond the coaching industry and that's a very interesting very interesting one that affects particularly uh, the field of performance peak performance mm. whether it's in sport arena or in the corporate arena yeah, I mean, I think we can learn a lot from the sports arena in terms of coaching oh, yes. and what I call the inner game of, of work. So, oh, yes. you know, what's happening and, and how you position yourself, as you said. Um, yeah. But I think if an organization wants to be deliberately developmental, which is clearly led by the leaders as well, culturally. Yeah. So, you know, wh- where does coaching have its place in that scenario? And what are you seeing in organizations today? How are they morphing? Yeah, um, 
So yeah, so so coaching is definitely an instrument of choice for for organizations who want mm. to who want to basically succeed at three things all at once. One is the game of performance, because mm-hmm. you you don't want to be just a learning organization for the sake of it, but you really? want to activate a certain level of performance. You want to yes. okay. So if it's about performance, if it's about psychological growth, and if it's about skill development, then coaching is probably the instrument of choice to to attain that level of, um, of excellence. So there, there's, um, there's different ways to think about this. The most resounding expression of it would be a coaching culture. Coaching culture is not just about coaching. In, in, really? in, you would have an integrated approach, a blended approach where you're surrounded by learning. Everyone can coach you. This is, this is a very, very powerful approach. Interestingly enough, most organizations have gone wrong with embedding a coaching culture. Uh, so then again, I, I was sharing with you that we did this consultation yes. process. Mm. And so we looked at the ROI of coaching, and particularly when organizations were interested in, in embedding coaching culture. And tell me more about ROI. That is the question. Yeah. yeah. How do you so, measure it? Yeah. So we looked at the ROI of executive coaching, and we saw that the, the, the ROI is pretty high. It's between 500%, 400%, some, some others say, and 800%. Now there is a, there is an RI Institute, mm-hmm. uh, it's an independent agency that looks into you know that has developed a formula for measuring ROI. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guys, and so in in one of their books, in one of their recent uh, publication, they're saying it's definitely between four hundred and eight hundred percent. They looked at what's the ROI when an organization wants to embed a coaching culture, and typically how they go about this is they go for um, training on coaching, and it's coaching for development primarily. And what we saw is satisfaction is super high, but return on investment is not that that high. Mm. So people like it. There's a sense of fulfillment. There's a sense that it's nice. There's a sense that, you know, it's it, it participating in creating and shaping a nice culture, a nice environment. But in terms of return on investment, that is how it impacts performance, how it impacts a skill development, they found that, you know, th- this was pretty meager results. Mm-hmm. So we said... Can we explore that with you? Can we actually try to understand what's going on here? And so we interviewed thousands of, of, of employees, the people who are on the receiving end of uh, coaching. That's where we got this ha-ha moment. When we talked to them, what we realized is that most of these people, yes, they like to have um, developmental conversation, but typically it happens three times a year. It's, you know, during the moment you set goals, yeah, and year end. Mm. And Early tenant leaders would actually consider that they need to have a monthly conversation, monthly developmental conversation. So we said, so what, what do you need then? If it's, you know, one, on the one hand, you would want to increase the frequency of developmental conversation, but what else do you need? We discovered is that nine people out of 10, nine people out of 10 are struggling with a situation that affects everything in their professional life. It affects their, their workload. It affects their, their level of stress. It affects their mindset, how mm. well-being. And so we asked, so what is it about? What is it that's stopping you? And they just said, well, the past resolution isn't clear to us. Okay. It can be about a meeting, an upcoming meeting where stakes are high. It can be about the goal attainment. It can be political issues and interpersonal aspects. And so the killer question for us was, for how long has this been on, on your mind? Mm-hmm. And people out of 10 in 
all these organizations told us it's between three months and more than a year. Wow. That they're wrapping with something in them in the head. Mm. And so started an understanding is that what people really want is more coaching conversations, not developmental in nature, mm-hmm. performance in nature. Mm-hmm. Here and now, I need to have a conversation. I need to have a trusted partner with whom I can think through what I'm facing right here and right now because it, it affects me really big time. And is that what you meant when you said everyone can coach everyone else? That's correct. We need to, we need to give people the, the skill set, yeah. mindset, and the heart set of coaching. Yeah. And then yeah. it becomes really a lever for, for organizational excellence. I completely agree. And, I have but, understood that. Yeah. And, and how, are you, how are you seeing them going around changing the way they work then? Because we hear a lot about servant leadership, manager as coach, et cetera, et cetera. But I think yeah. with the growth of communities of practice and internal ecosystems, people have that space to have those conversations. So how are organizations going about equipping their people? So it starts with, with the experience of coaching. Okay. Start with the cognitive explanation mm. of why coaching is, is so important. So typically the usual story is you have kind of a kickoff session. Everyone is in the room or online. We explain what coaching is about and then we send them to a training mm-hmm. and we, now, now you coach others. That doesn't work because the cognitive appeal is not strong enough to change the mindset and, and the worldview of managers. Mm. You know, typically managers have been promoted because of their level of performance, because mm-hmm. of how direct, courageous, driven they are. Yes. The idea of changing this, this philosophy of work and being the one who doesn't know and the one who actually empower others, it's not some paper, but how does that really work? So mm. start with giving them the experience of what coaching is about. Now, the problem with coaching is it's, it's, it's perceived as pretty expensive. When you look at it, when you frame it as expensive, it's because you, you, you miss to see the ROI. Every euro you get, you really get five euros back. But mm. people don't see it. So there are alternative ways to give access to coaching, starting with not, not coaching for development, but just this coaching conversation I was telling yes. you. Yes. So if nine people out of 10 are struggling with something, can, chances are these managers are also grappling with something that is affecting them. And we show them, how in 30 minutes, 45 minutes, up to one hour, you can actually find, you know, paths to resolutions. And while with, oh, how did, how did it happen in such a short conversation? So when you repeat that experience and you show the reliability of the coaching process, people start to open up to the idea of, well, it actually really helps. What if I start, you know, applying this to my team and my peers? Because obviously, as a manager, chances are, you have ambitious goals to achieve mm. and any ambitious goal requires leverage and leverage comes from people working around you. And so you want to increase that level of leverage because it's, it's to your own benefit anyway. So this emotional appeal is probably far more important than the cognitive appeal. Mm-hmm. And do you think that it's something that all managers or all employees should be trained in? Well, so I, I'm a fanatic of coaching. So mm-hmm of me would say yes absolutely <laughs> but this is uh then it's uh, evangelization it's it's the wrong obviously it's the wrong answer susie mm-hmm. to with. not all organizations want to have a coaching culture mm-hmm. so my wife for instance is working in the public sector it's it's they are far away from this mentality mm-hmm. far 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 away from this mentality mm-hmm. and it's not uh, for everyone and 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 that's a good thing mm-hmm. that's a good thing mm-hmm. so it's with it's start with the very top 
I know yeah. that you don't change the culture from the top, but the, the, the top sets the tone Brilliant. to extend. And if they're not, you know, if they're not perceiving the value of coaching or perceiving mm. the value of culture, just culture, then chances are your investment will be will be lost. Okay. And, and where do you see further innovation in this field as, as the practice changes, should I say as the landscape changes? When it comes to coaching, well, there are any innovation. The, the first one is up, and that's where I started. It's it's the it's the use of platforms. Yeah, and and platforms really can be a game changer. It it doesn't really change the practice of coaching, but it it changes how we steer our investment and we steer programs on coaching. Mm. For Europe is is a big deal. If you compare Europe with with the US, for instance, mm. US they have a dedicated budget for coaching. More often than not, in Europe they don't have a budget for coaching. It's ad hoc, on demand. Yeah. And it's where for HR professionals to be able to kind of plan their work around coaching for the next 12 months. They, they're incapable of actually telling you how many people will go through coaching yeah. and, and what truly what's the plan. Yeah. They're looking in another direction. They're looking in assessment. They're looking in recruitment. They're looking in mm. training. They're looking in many different aspects, but rarely in coaching. Mm. Now, the best organization that I know, they have, they are very intentional about coaching programs. So uh, there's a predictive mechanism as to who's going to go through coaching because they have defined the trigger mechanism to select people who go through coaching. And it's not remedial. Okay. It's mental. All right. Because that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing that keeps so many organizations at a lower level. Yes. Because it's remedial. It's just someone has a problem. Let's fix it with coaching. And mm. coaching the fix, by the way, but it's 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 really not the right way to think about what coaching is about. Now, when you get into coaching program, mm. then you want to you want to increase the level the level of automation on the number of things, yeah. and that, that is important for HR to have in it reportings and knowing what, what's going on, stages of affairs. But most importantly, uh, these platforms don't just allow a greater level of automation and also a certain level of hosting and calling technologies but it also has some learning records. Yeah. And what it does is that actually data start to be meaningful. And you can, you can use this data to inform a lot of your talent roadmap. Yeah. For the confidentiality, so mm. for GDPR, mm. data st- starts to have really meaning. That, that is very important. I think it's the power of, of big data, isn't it? And data-driven analytics, whether it's people analytics or business analytics, I think um, yeah. it brings us lots of insight oh, yeah. in, into what's happening. So, yeah. I mean, I'm hearing it's, it's intentional, it needs to be developmental, but I also think the platforms change the way people connect and it allows them to connect completely. differently and more easily. Um, completely, which completely. Means that one-year plans are probably a bit redundant in terms of planning for people to be coached or that, to connect. That, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting part of the technology beyond just the, the hosting and the calling, as I shared with you, mm-hmm. sensing technologies and, and even more importantly, importantly is nudging technologies. And yeah. hey, there's not really a great offering in the market, but it's, it's coming up. Sensing mm-hmm. technology, what is really going on in the system? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you if you are really looking at coaching as in individual team group and mm. some organizational coaching, you collect a lot of data and you want to get you want to make sense of what's going on, because we know that in the, in the game of business, you know networks how networks form and shape and morph is going to be indicative of your level of success because yeah. 
innovation, change, information, collaboration, all of that happens through networks, not the official organic run, but really yes. social networks. So yeah. sensing technologies is going to give you an information about this and mm. going to help you way beyond coaching. Sensing technologies uh, is, is also a great thing because now the environment send you signals, whether it's through your phone or portable device, proximity devices that you can put on the wall to actually nudge you to adopt the right behavior, the one you committed to in your coaching journey. And so now the environment is really an ally to help you in doing what you said you would do. Yeah, so they're changing your cognitive habit around oh, completely. how you act. Completely, mm. because we really recognize more and more that the environment shapes you yes. a whole lot. Yeah. So nudging technologies is probably going to be one of the uh, big thing in this new space of uh, Mm. Coaching. Yeah, and once again, it's digital and technology at the service of, yeah. of the human element, isn't it? It's how can you enable a stronger connection differently, etc. Okay. Correct. Well, time is flying as ever. Uh, do you have any last recommendations for organizations looking to understand, or leaders looking to understand how they can use these newer approaches to coaching, so for performance, but also for well-being? Well, uh, you, you, you can sense my level of enthusiasm and passion. When <laughs> I have many, many uh, recommendations. Mm. For, the, for the ones who are on the receiving side, for the ones who are buying coaching, my number one recommendation would be be the challengers, not just the mere consumers of coaching. Okay. Don't adopt this herd mentality of just doing what you're told is proper coaching. Challenge, question, ask for more, ask beyond what's known. Um, that that would be the number one recommendation. So be be demanding because coaching can really give you a very strong ROI. So you've got to be demanding with what you want to do with mm. your program. So you've got to be demanding with your program and with yourself, if I come back to our earlier conversation. Uh, absolutely, Susie. Okay. Absolutely. Fred, thank you so much for coming and sharing your thoughts with us. You're most welcome. If you want to know more about Fred and the Centre of Creative Leadership Initiative, please visit the Centre of Creative Leadership website, www.ccl.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if so, please head over to iTunes and give us your opinion and review. So it's bye from me, and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk.